Pastor said he appreciated us coming and not coming, but sharing some word. And yeah. Let me tell you, in my in my life around ministry, I've seen a lot of pastors, and I tell you, you're really blessed to have a pastor who's not intimidated by allowing somebody else. I appreciate your pastor so very much. We love him dearly. We have so many intertwined things, and his and his wife's in my wife's life, um, I guess you've shared part yes. of those with the people. I will move. You go ahead. Go ahead. No, that's okay. <laughs> oh, glory. I just feel so good this morning. It, it's, um, I appreciate him asking us to speak. And in thinking about the letting it gel in my mind, what we're going to talk about today, I was thinking back to what my boyhood I was reared, uh, uh, actually, I was born into an agrarian family in North Carolina, mm-hmm. off the coast about 50 miles in Lumberton, North Carolina, outside of Lumberton, and it was a very, very small place. And I was, uh, when I was four years old, and this picture is still fresh in my mind, mm-hmm. I was four years old, uh, and I was playing in my overalls out in the front yard, in the sandy front yard. And I heard a strange sound. This is probably back about 1938 or 39, Pastor. And about late 38. And and the way that the crow would fly, our little town of Allenton was only probably about 15 or 20 miles from Fort Bragg, which was a military base at that time. Still is. And I heard this sound, and I looked in the distance, and there I saw a beautiful biplane. That means two wings, two wings, open cockpit, two-wing biplane and, uh, with a beautiful-sounding radial engine. And I fell in love. I fell in love with aviation, and I love it till this day. God blessed me with being able to work in that environment for so very long. But I didn't think about it until many years later, that 30 years later, I got to fly that very same type airplane. Oh, shortly after that, when I was five, we moved into the coast and about six or about a year later, World War II began. And our little sleepy town that had been about maybe fifteen or 20,000 people suddenly swelled with military presence. We didn't have much Navy there, but we did have a tremendous amount of Army. We had a lot of Army Air Force people, which was the prelude to the Air Force today. We had a Marine Corps, uh, Camp Lejeune, which is about 40 miles north of there. So suddenly we were inundated with a military presence. And in high school, I had three years of Army ROTC. My last year, they made me battalion executive officer, and I thought, I don't want to do this. I want to company. And about two weeks into the, this is my senior year, about two weeks into the year, all of a sudden, the commander of the ROTC unit says, I'm switching two people. 
I'm going to switch you, meaning me, with the guy who had Company D. Mm -hmm. And so I changed places. He took my place that I didn't want. Um, that was a, a, battalion, a battalion executive, always from major at that time. And I took on the captaincy, but I got my own company. Mm -hmm. And that year we won Company of the Year. And I was so proud of that. And then we had an Azalea Festival that year, every year, and they brought in a Marine platoon. And when I saw that mar Marine platoon snap to attention, I saw that rank and file, and I saw that brace that they had, I fell in love with the military. Now, I didn't want to be a Marine. I wanted to go in the Air Force, which God let me do later on. And I wanted to be able to fly, and God let me do that later on. But he, God is so good. And filled with that military presence, that has been a backdrop from a lot of my ministry, Brother Grant. I, I look at what's happening in the, in the church of God. We, we are combatants against the forces of evil. And we have to realize that. And we've got the greatest weaponry in the world. And thinking about that, I remembered a personage back in uh, later history. We probably have never heard about this individual. His name is Joachim Murat. Probably you've never heard of it. Even the world history I took in, in grammar school, college, uh, high school, and college. I don't remember ever hearing this guy's name. But I was struck by part of his biography. I'm not going to go into all of it, but I was struck by part of his biography. He, as a young boy of 10, they sent him to a seminary. And then he saw a cavalry unit march by. And he ran away and joined the French army. Joined the French army. And to make a long story short, he joined. Um, I'm trying to think of the guy's name now. Uh, say Benito. That's not him. Uh, oh, for goodness sakes. The guy who fought the battle at Waterloo. Anyway, I'll think of it in a minute. But he he married Sir Napoleon Bonaparte. Napoleon Bonaparte. Yes, sir. Thank you. That's wonderful. Thank you. Napoleon Bonaparte. And we know some of the story of Bonaparte, but Joachim Moret married Bonaparte's sister. And that elevated him into a command position. And I've really said pretty much all of that to say this. Attributed to him is a wonderful, wonderful saying because he rose to command armies and it is said of him and it was said by others that uh, the little bighorn general, Custer, picked up a saying of his and, and adapt, uh, adopted that and the saying was, men run to the sound of the guns. Run to the sound of the guns. Yes. And embedded in that is a wonderful charge to we who are in the church of God. Mm -hmm. 
I'm going to ask Brother Grant to come back just to solidify in their thinking that passage from Roman. Would you please, sir, reread that to us just so that we can get that founded into our thinking. Listen with your spirit as he reads this to us, please. Afterward, he appeared unto the leaven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord working with them, confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Jesus Christ had been crucified. Forty days he had ministered among them in bodily form. After he had gone to heaven and placed his blood on the heavenly mercy seat, he came back and ministered for 40 days. Forty days is indicative of a time of testing and trial. Yeah. When he gave them this great commission to go forth, that actually is better translated in the Greek as you are going forth. And it does not mean to go into some foreign land or to some specific area, although it can mean that as an addendum to it. But what is really indicative of saying, as you are going into your world, you need to be doing these things. There are a lot of people who say that uh, I'm just waiting until I get to heaven. Mm. Lord bless your little timid heart. <laughs> there are those who say I'll be, I will be rejected. Are you better than Christ? Come on now. There are those who say it's it's just a, it's just not a good time for me to do that. I, I feel intimidated. You have the commission of God to do it, and some say. I don't like this world at this time. It's so overpowering to me. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, there is antiquity, never a better time than today to be a spirit-filled believer in Christ. If you have those things, Jesus written to our understanding, it's enabling you by the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Dr. Villa, to go forth and do those things. And he said the word 40 days, right? Yeah. And Jesus went on a 40-day fast, correct? Yes. We know the meaning of 40, the 40 years even for the Israelites, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm charging you. This was not my plan, but this was the Holy Spirit. I'm charging you, every one of you now, to think of the 40 days. Can you give 40 days to God? Yes. So 40, every day is 40 minutes with God for 40 days. 
when you do that you're devoting yourself to the lord god to the holy spirit whatever he's saying to you and you do it he will cleanse you up he will fill you up the word says that those who love me i will cause them to inherit substance and i will fill their treasures yes yeah okay in the name of jesus in the name of jesus you will get what you want ask and it shall be given you seek and you shall find not and it shall be open there is nothing on this earth that you cannot have when you have the name of jesus the the key is give him 40 days yeah. i promise you by the word of god you will see a difference in your life yeah. whatever you're seeking whatever you need god will give it to you because you are giving him those 40 days and those 40 minutes every day just for him alone yeah amen And there are scriptures that go with it every day. And in that process also, you are supposed just by Job, you know, he had to pray for his friends mm-hmm. before God can restore everything back to him. Double fold. Right. So what you do in the beginning is, of course, pray for the needs of others, yes. not yours. Yes. Number one is pray for the needs of others. List as many needs as you can remember from them. Write them down. Make a list. And then along with that, you're going to make a list of your needs. But that comes later. That comes next. Okay. We got to go with priority because God is a God of order. It's not our order. It's God's order. So 40 days. Remember that. Before the end here. Give him 40 days. And come back here to this church and share your testimony. Mm-hmm. You will be a changed man. There, there was a uh, a man from whom I have learned a lot because of his discipline is, is different from mine. He's a scientist. I'm a minister, and he made the statement that is partly true, but I think the other part is great, more greatly true. And he said that when he gets to heaven in the new Jerusalem, new kingdom, that. He's going to look forward to sitting down with Apostle Paul and the other saints of the Old Covenant and even some in the New Covenant and, and picking their brain about how it was to walk the, the apostles of the land, to walk with Jesus Christ for three years and to observe him day after day, the spotless Lamb of God in human form walking among them and to have some unlimited time with him. And everybody else could have unlimited time with him because we'll not bound, be bound by man's time now. That, this kind of time will pass away. There will be a new event happening. You'll be able to enjoy this, all the saints that you want to for as long as you want to while other people are doing the same thing. I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. But the part I disagree with him about, we look forward to spending time with, with the old covenant people. Mm-hmm. Before the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But my thoughts are. How much more do they look forward to spending time with you. Because you have feelings that they could never know. Because you have the Holy Ghost. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dwelling inside of you. They didn't know what that was about. They didn't know how to deal with that. They couldn't have those feelings. God cannot lie. I don't mean this is an audacious 
braggadocious way. I mean it in the most humble way, with the most grateful day, way. God cannot lie. And I, he says, put me in remembrance of these things. And I remember him. God, I need this. You promised them every need that I have. And if I do certain things, that is, if I delight myself in you, he says he will give me the desires of my heart. What, what a contract. And that's not made with me. That's God being made between him, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit and the Father. Working in unison. I have that promise to go forth and do the things. This is an exciting time, the most let, let me rephrase. This is the most Im, yeah, exciting time in antiquity to now and until we get to the New Jerusalem to be a Christian for God. Yes. Don't wait for the pastor to do it. He has a job, but his job is to teach and train and prepare the sheep. We're sheep. When he gives us a commission... Then we rest on what Brother Grant has read into our understanding that if we will do these things, if we will step out in the workplace, in the marketplace, in our family, which is going to be your toughest proving ground, then we have God promising that he will do these things. And we've seen it in our own family. Our family has been some of the toughest protagonist and antagonist that we've had. Yes, indeed. You know, and so that's what the word tells us, right? In your own country, you will have no one. You know. And so I want to charge you, but you have to remember that the word says we walk in the flesh. Okay? However, we do not war against the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Amen. Amen. And we have to cast out our imaginations. This is the word of God. This is a charge to us. We need to learn how to cast out our own imaginations. When we imagine or think that we are sick, no, we got to get it away. Because God's word is yes and amen. And so cast down our own imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Have you ever had that experience? Mm-hmm. You know, we have. And so we need to remember the word of God. We need to cast it away. And we need to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. Every thought. You mm-hmm. say, I don't have money to pay the bills. Well, bring it into captivity. Yes. That's what the word says. Yes. I am sick. The doctor said I have cancer. I'm going to die in Two months, well, bring it into captivity. Yes. Don't listen to them. The word of God is stronger and more powerful than them. That's right. right? Yeah. Under the, God, the word of God. So you step on that. You're going to fight. If you want to go to the ends of the world to preach the gospel, you have to learn this yourself in your own life. Otherwise, you will not succeed. You will be bombarded with sickness and defeat. So you have to have victory within your own life. Mm -hmm. All the struggles, all the trials that you're facing, you need to have victory because Jesus had the victory. I have overcome the world. He said so. And if we are Christians, we need to take that role as well. We have overcome the world. 
Do, do you realize what, how blessedly fortunate that you are to be part of a full gospel church? We, we, Dr. Bill and I went to a, uh, a patriotic service a few months ago, a couple of three months ago, and all the way out, I just wanted to share it. I thought there was a, I guess he was a deacon standing there, and I said, uh, let me, would you please just tell, I, I'm a, no, I said, would you please tell the, the choir director and the pastor that we thoroughly enjoyed this patriotic meeting and I'm a full gospel minister and ju- just enjoyed being with you. And when I said full gospel minister, it was, I could have thrown a bucket of ice water on. Before he had been smiling and shaking hands and all of a sudden he, he's drained, you know, and, and I felt that alienation of spirit. But let me tell you, let me encourage you to do this. Get yourself an anointing packet. And what, what I like to carry is something like this. I can get it out of my pocket. You, you, can, do, you can use anything. I mean, you can buy them at the store. But I like to make them. Just something like this. It flips open. And you can put some um, unused cotton in there. And you can use some extra virgin olive oil. And carry that in your pocket. And as you go, don't wait for the pastor. He's got his charge. I'm, I'm offering you an opportunity to see God work. Put that in your pocket, and when you're in the marketplace or the workplace, and someone says, I'm feeling pretty bad today. This happened to me. I was, I was sitting in a place where I was working. We had, and it was a small room. We had about 30 people in there, and you couldn't even get up without 10 people hearing it. And this guy next to me, working next to me, he said, you know, my stomach is really feeling bad today. I said, well, would you like me? I just bought this life. Would you like me to pray for you? Of course, six or eight or 10 people, maybe more, heard, heard me that. And he said, yeah, yeah, I could. And I just reached over and laid my hands on his stomach, and I rebuked that pain and said, be healed in Jesus' name. He just took it off. And he said, you mean, he said, hey, I felt that. Good. Let me tell you, the first time you lay hands on somebody to anoint them with oil and watch God do a miracle, or especially progressively quick healing, nobody can ever tell you again that healing is not for this time. When you, when you lift up somebody and lift a demon off of them, and, and they, you see them... The shackles fall off of their soul and off of their spirit, and they start speaking with a brand new tongue. In the, I don't mean tongue, tongue. I mean with a brand new language. They don't have the dirty words. They don't have the dirty stories anymore. You see them come to Christ. You will automatically do the work of an evangelist. Now, many of us will never carry the office of evangelist. I, I don't. Desire, thank God he never gave me that part of the fivefold ministry gift. I'm not called to be an apostle. I'm not called to be an evangelist or a, a, really a pastor the way, but, but God lifted that off of me. Teacher, prophet, some of those I love to function in at times God uses me that way. But uh, when you see God do his work because he says we can hold him, to his word. Uh, I don't like to use this term, but in a way, we've got God on the hook. We've got the, some, some play of the better end of the deal. And I believe that. To watch the, the sick delivered and the captive made free. And all, all the saints can do part of this. Read the last 
couple of verses of the 150th Psalm, and you see that each one, each believer has the right to put binds and chains on the enemy. Yeah. And he frees us to do that. But you have to be perceptive. And when the situation presents itself, don't be timid. Step out for God. You don't have to carry a soapbox and stand on it and be obnoxious, but you can be a viable, live Christian for Christ. Amen. Amen. Not just in church, when you're out there, wherever you are, God might be calling you to do something, right? If you don't have oil, okay, don't let me a stopping block to you, all right? Go forth and just do your prayer. I remember one time when I was still in the Catholic Church, I was really seeking the Lord, the Holy Spirit. I did it for like 10 years. Uh, within that time, a friend who was really very strong in the Catholic faith came to me and asked me for prayer because he was having a headache. And this was in a church setting. We were in church. And so I just laid my hands on her. Yes. And I just started praying. And before I finished my prayer, she said, okay, okay, it's finished. I'm done. I don't have my headache. But I felt that the Lord still had something, you know. He still wanted to set her free from other things, but he, she was pulling away from me. And I said, hold on. God is not finished yet. But it's amazing to see the work of God, right? We only needed to pray lay hands. We follow the word. He said, lay hands in the second day shall recover. Yeah. You gotta believe that they shall recover. It's not you, it's God, it's a word. You use his word, he's gonna work with us. That's what our brother here just read in Mark, right? God working with us. Don't ever take the, the pride that you're the healer. You lose it completely. Okay, so when you go out there, you have so many chances now, so many opportunities right now. Everywhere you go, you will hear somebody complain of something. Mm -hmm. If they're ready, if they're with you, if they have that peace, the way God said, then go ahead and pray that healing over them. They will receive. It is so easy. You just have to get started doing it and doing it humbly. And then God will open up more doors. And that's the wonderful part. Mm -hmm. Hallelujah. And some people will start coming to you for prayer because they know they know that your prayer works because you have a connection with God. Just as Doctor was saying, our own family were the protagonist. There becomes the enemy. Yeah. But coming from a Catholic church, they're still into that Catholic church, mm -hmm. and they just tell me, "I don't know how you're doing." Okay, with, even with their own belief. I don't know how you're doing it, but you have that connection with God, which we don't. Mm -hmm. Like, hallelujah. Okay, then go ahead, follow. Why not follow? The good thing about this is that God has a principle. He, he, he laid it out in the tithing principle where if you give God 10%, he will bless you with the other. That principle is still into effect. As you minister, God, I tell you this from past experience, the more you give to God in situations, the more you get to keep. That's called 
edifying. God wants to edify you. And he can do that by in your everyday problems and situations. Don't wait for the world to love you. They're not going to happen. When you go out into the world, expect sinners to act like sinners. They're going to have a terrible mouth. They're going to have a terrible attitude. They're going to, even at best, they are going to be attacked and under the control of a certain amount of demonic activity. And some you will run into who will be demon-controlled, demon-possessed. If you don't believe that, look at Washington. Look at Tallahassee. Look at the city government. Those people, they have no problem lying and cheating and stealing. But you have a place to go to, to serve the Lord where he will honor your anointing. Find out what God has for you and be available as you are going into the world. And doing that, that word from Burette still rings in my ears. Ride to the sound of the guns. That's a military term, but it's also a spiritual term. Listen with your spiritual ears. When you're on the job, you are God's mouth, you are God's hands, you are God's feet as you go forward. He may or may not ever send you to some other country or some other place, and that's perfectly fine. He's got others that he will. Don't worry about that. Just be available to the Holy Spirit as you go forward. And he says he will confirm what you do with signs and wonders. I didn't say that. Jesus Christ said that in the Great Commission. You have his word that he will do that. But here is the asterisk that covers it. Whenever you see God do things through your ministry, do not ever take any of the credit to yourself. Amen. Right. You make you, you, People may say, oh, that was wonderful, Pastor. You did good. But I know your pastor. He, he may say, I appreciate that. But immediately his heart is going to say, Father, to you be all the glory. Yes, right to the sound of your God. Only you can minister where you are a better way. Let the Holy Spirit anoint you, and you will see magnificent things. I've seen God's elongate time where it seems to pass slowly. I've had God multiply money in my wallet. I've had God multiply items that I needed. My first time seeing God do something miraculous, it wasn't big. I said, God, and I can afford it. This time I can afford it. I said, God, I'm going to trust you for a pair of socks. And within just a few days, he gave those to me miraculously. And my faith started building. And there were a few other times as I was growing in that tenacity for God and humbleness to God where a situation presented itself. And I would say, should I or should I not? And the situation vanished. I didn't have a chance to do it. And I felt brokenhearted that I had failed God. And he just simply said, and I'm paraphrasing his word, I'll give you another chance. I'll give you another chance. The 40 days that Dr. Gillen just spoke about, 
is the time of testing. It lost to Jesus Christ after he moved out in his ministry. His first problem was he was sent into the desert area of Judea in 40 days. The church, early church, had to experience that. And you, as a Christian, will have to experience that too. As a matter of fact, I would, in, in, in a definitive way, we are in a time of testing, testing and trials right now. We're not going to be fully accomplished in this until, like the old song, we cross over Jordan yeah. and get to the other side. Then we'll know as we're known, we'll know things perfectly. But in this time, we've got to fight the battle. We've got enemies. We've got the strong demonic satanic activities against us. We've got a lot of people who are telling we can't get along. We know that's a lie. They're telling us we can't. We have to be separated because of economics or or other other factors, and and that's a lot. We feel that in this room. There's nothing but harmony here in this room this moment, because the enemy is bound, and God is blessing. And I believe He's given you something today to encourage you, and and ask you to just go forth and serve me. If He didn't have a plan for you. The moment you said, yes, I accept you as Savior, you would have been in heaven. But since you're still here, God has a work for you to do specifically. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Amen.